Hello, thanks for stopping by Liberty Sessions, where we unpack one woman's entrepreneurial journey to help another woman launch her own. I'm your host, Netta Jones. Please join me as we start liberating dreams one episode at a time. Well, hello again, Liberty listeners. Welcome to another episode of Liberty Sessions. And this week, we are going to get to hear from Jen Kennedy, the founder and CEO of By Your Side Collection, and someone who happens to be a friend too. So this is very fun for me. It's like having a little coffee chat. How are you, Jen? I'm great. Thank you so much for having me today. I'm super excited to be here. It's good to have you. Um, So I want you to just kind of usher in the conversation on what By Your Side Collection is, because it's a lot of things, actually. So just start with what is it, practically speaking, if somebody goes to the website, what can they expect? By Your Side Collection is a jewelry and gift company, um, and all of our products, we have jewelry and t-shirts currently and note cards, but everything is designed to unite, support, and encourage people who are going through a hard time. Um, And each of our pieces is designed with ropes and knots. So you will see um, bracelets with a knot, a necklace with a piece of rope that has words behind it. And every piece is meant to bring community together so that you're not alone. I'm a cancer survivor and Mm. um, so is my mom. And when she was diagnosed with breast cancer, I had an inspirational moment and want to use that moment for good. You know, when my mom was sick, not only did I have an inspiration for by your side with the jewelry, but I watched her friends do the exact same things that my friends did when I was, when I had cancer, which was how do we help? How do we show up? And what I noticed was that the casseroles stayed in the freezer and the flowers died and she still felt alone and isolated just like I did. And by your side is the casserole alternative. Like we are here to give you the gift of empathy and hope and encouragement. I love that. We all need a casserole alternative. That's awesome. So um, that's kind of an important piece of your story that you uh, and your mother are both breast cancer survivors. Can you give us a little bit of that backstory, Jen? Yeah. So I was 25 years old when I was diagnosed with breast cancer and I was so lonely at the time and isolated. My husband and I had been married two months and the trauma that occurs when you are diagnosed with such a terrible disease and you're trying to stay alive and you're trying to keep your new marriage alive. Um, there's nothing that really can prepare a couple or a person for that kind of situation. And after going through double mastectomy, chemo, radiation, and two years of after reconstruction surgeries, I was ready to move on with my life and wanted that to be in the past. Fast forward 11, 12 years, my mom was diagnosed with breast cancer. Mm -hmm. And I thought, well, hallelujah, this is why I had breast cancer. It makes Mm. sense now. Like there was a purpose for my pain and a purpose for my suffering. It's now to be able to walk with my mom. And in her diagnosis, I was able to kind of go back and redeem and heal through some of the anger and emotional disconnects that I had um, from my own experience. Mm. And I thought that being able to say, hey, mom, I know what this is like 
You know, that's my greatest me too moment that I thought. And it wasn't in her mind that the greatest me too, because she was my mom and she didn't want to hear from me. From her daughter. Yeah. Right. Like she, I'm her little girl. She needed to find it from someone else. Um, but at her first chemo, I had a moment with this girl because I was all dressed up in my inspirational gear. I had a (laughs) brave is beautiful shirt and a tote and a handbag (laughs) or a handbag and a necklace that I was like geared up for. And she was in her Talbot's outfit, like not wanting any part of the inspirational gear moment. And, you know, I, I was like, mom, you can do this. We're going to get through this. It's going to be okay. And she was putting in her earphones, putting on her meditation music, but there was a girl that was sitting there by herself and she, you could tell she had been there before. She mm. had an ashen skin skin tone and looked exhausted and she had just finished her chemo and she said to me, I really like your shirt. And I was so excited because then at least somebody was appreciated. Yeah. <laughs> All the like, work. Oh, goodness gracious. So yeah. <laughs> I said, you know, I'm a survivor and I've done this and I just want you to know that I know that you're going to get through this chemo and it's so hard and I understand that and just good luck to you. And she went on her way. And then we sat through the chemo, which was about four hours and we had lunch and we left. And, you know, that moment in that room is so, it brings back such visceral, visceral feelings of like the smell of the alcohol wipes Mm. and like the mental like place I went to of just remembering through all that pain and the hardship that Mm. I kind of had blocked out. Um, all came flooding back, like the metallic taste that you get when the chemo goes in. It just is these weird nuances of... And reminders. Yeah, Yeah. and what you have to remember, sometimes you have to go back, right, to be healed. Um, So anyways, we leave chemo and I go outside to the hospital to get my car from the valet line. And this girl was sitting on the bench four hours later by herself. It was middle of July here in Los Angeles. And she was sitting on a cement bench all alone. And if you've ever seen a person sitting on a bench outside a chemo hospital, you understand like something is off here. Like this doesn't feel right. And the chemo drugs itself, like you're exhausted. If you haven't had any side effects other than just being exhausted, you feel like crap. And she was all by herself. And I got in my car and I literally felt pulled back out of my car. Like God was not going to let this moment go to waste. And I got out and I gave my necklace that I was wearing at the time and I put it over her neck and I said, I just want you to wear this and take it with you as a reminder that you're going to be okay. And that every time you touch this and you look at it, that I've been through this and I just want you to be encouraged and know that there is hope and that you're going to be, I I trust in my heart that you're going to be healed Mm -hmm. and God's going to take care of you and carry you through. And she was crying and I was crying. I'm I'm crying. (laughs) (laughs) And I've heard the story, (laughs) you know, and I said, I just need you to take it. And she said, okay. Well, fast forward a few more months. And I told my mom this story when I was trying to find some value in my stay-at-home mom life with three little kids. Mm -hmm. And like, what am I going to do with my life here? And my mom said, you know, that girl, she was wearing that necklace every single time she came to chemo because I saw her. And she was still alone, but that necklace was around her neck. So there's something to what you gave her. Like she really held tight to that moment. And that 
moment and that experience and her taking that necklace with her is the inspiration for By Your Side. It's, it's an amazing story and um, one that I, I, like I, of course you could have come up with this, you right. know, like making jewelry for people who need to be inspired. And there are jewelry companies That's that right. have done things like that. But yours in particular isn't just a, a word of encouragement. It's actually this this emotion or this sentiment of somebody's with you. Somebody is for you. Somebody, yeah. somebody like, even if I'm not going to be there with you today, yeah. you put this on and yeah. you feel their love and their power around yeah. you. And that's what so many of our customers have said. Like I'm wearing this piece to like this bracelet that says I have strength today because I needed it. Yeah. I ran into a girl at Michael's and she said, you know, I hadn't worn this in a while, but I put it on today because I'm just having a really hard time with my two-year-old. And this is one of my friends that I just happened to see in Michael's and it was a day that I needed that encouragement too. Like, don't give up yeah. this mission that you've on, you're on because it does impact your friends. It does impact the world. And people are wearing the jewelry that's giving them that encouragement that they're not alone and that they have somebody walking by their side. Which is interesting. So what started out as a, a an endeavor born of cancer yeah. has gone on really to um, come alongside people regardless of yeah, that's, their circumstances, right? It's just yeah. difficulty or celebration even. It's been both actually, which I have found to be the most almost invigorating piece to it. What I thought was just going to be for cancer, like you said, because that's my story, but I'm realizing that my story is so much more. And my story is that of survival of postpartum, mm -hmm. survival of motherhood, survival of abuse when I was a little girl, survival of eating disorder in high school, survival of a really difficult marriage on and off. Like those are the things that you survive. But I also have seen celebration of life, celebration of cancer anniversaries. So I've sent a few boxes in the wedding season to brides who are saying to their friends, like, I see you and I love you and I want you to wear this necklace today because we will always be by each other's side. Mm. And we may not live in the same city and we may be across the country, but each time you put this necklace on, know that we're each thinking of each other. So it's been a really like... It's been a great blessing to me to be able to see yeah. that this is going further than I ever could have imagined. Yeah. So that brings me to sort of in launching this, it sounds like you really, it's a for-profit company, correct? Yes, correct. Yeah. And so you are both for-profit um, and mission-driven at the same time. That's that right. there was a social impact here. Um, that you were trying to accomplish. And I'm going to ask you a few questions a little later about how that gets complicated when right. you're when you're making financial decisions. But you mentioned a box. Can you just explain to us? So jewelry comes both in a box with multiple units as well as an individual unit? So depending on what you purchase, right? So a normal gift that you're going to send, say, to your sister who either has had a miscarriage or lost a baby or, you know, your mom, whatever, you go online, you order the necklace, the bracelet, and it comes with a poem that is a by your side story in a poem form mm -hmm. and a card, a note from me, and then also the, the gift in the gift box. If you are doing a 
larger order of like five or six, say for the brides or people that are sending, wearing necklaces in solidarity with a friend who's fighting battle of cancer, then I send that out with six, you know, however many actually you want, um, with note cards and some other little gifty things in there to make it more of a celebration. Um, and it can be customized. So the brides have requested like glitter. So when they open it, it's like, so Instagrammy and all that, <laughs> yeah. you know, that kind of stuff. And then sending four pieces to a mom and daughter and their two other friends that are wearing it Got in it. the hard times. It didn't include the glitter. So these solidarity boxes. That's right. Are you're able to sort of customize the, the customer can customize how many and which items. Yes. And that's okay. more of like an email phone conversation of okay. how we want that done right now. Okay. Perfect. And we can find all of that at buyyoursidecollections.com, yes. which um, we will have in the show notes. Okay, great. All your Thank handles you. handles as well, of course. So let's go back a little bit to the story prior to cancer and even post-cancer before Buy Your Side. Mm-hmm. What did you do that informed being a jewelry designer, a manufacturer of jewelry, you know, starting mm-hmm. this retail line? Well, that's funny you should ask that, Netta. (laughs) I was a teacher. Um, I also, you know, in college, I worked in a jewelry store in Waco, Texas, Stanley and Weaver Fine Jewelry, and (laughs) I loved it. It was like my favorite job. But that plus maybe working in a bridal store would be like two of my like girliest things. So I did work in a jewelry store and have a little bit of that retail experience and then have always loved accessories when I was sick, especially that was what got me through wearing like beautiful pieces because I could throw on a necklace and feel gorgeous again, even though I had no hair and a gross wig. Um, So the jewelry has always been part of who I am. Um, But my actual background is teaching and child development, which makes me a quote unquote excellent mother because I took a parenting (laughs) course. (laughs) My husband doesn't like that one all that much. I do have the book though. I love um, it. Still. Uh, yeah. So nothing of my like past, I don't have a business degree. I don't have like a fashion design background. I have a passion and I took what meant a lot to me and just started going for it because the doors started opening and I didn't want to turn down those moments of saying yes, which was scary because I just kept on going. And before long, I kind of got way further in a process than I really was familiar with. Yeah. Which I think is probably, if anybody's honest, that's it, always the story. Right. That they, they kept going until they ran into something that was more than they could handle and then they made the decision to go through it or to stop. Right, exactly. And for those that made the decision to go through it time and time and time again, yeah. that we have a word for that and it's called success. Like yeah. that, it's not, it's not, a, it's not magic. It's, no, no, no. You're right? just it's saying continuing yes. to say yes to those doors. Yes. So let me ask you on that note, because you didn't always um, sell online. When you first launched and were getting ready to sell online, you were doing pop-up shops and um, uh, home sales. Yes, and, and I still do that okay. here locally. Um, in fact, doing a couple gift shows right after, uh, like at the end of November. So, And are those tied to... Jewelry, fashion, cancer, what's the... Those are tied to, um, actually, they're all tied towards giving back. So um, either to an organization or to a nonprofit. And is that sort of necessary for you to say yes to the show or do you say yes to both kinds? 
doing I, good ones and and not that there's not doing good ones, but right. You know, well, regular if, if I can have an opportunity to sell my products, great. Yeah. Um, if I can give back and sell the products, then even better. Okay. Okay. That's I think that's helpful for people to be able to say. If I'm mission driven, yeah, do I have to focus only on doing those do good opportunities, or can I do both? And I would say try and do both because the more that you're spreading that word, right, the exactly. more that you're able to advance the company, the more good you're right. eventually because going to be able to do. Ultimately, my goal is that people all over the world know what by your side is because there is somebody that in mm. Japan or India that could universally wear this necklace or bracelet and the meaning is the same. Yeah. So however I can spread the word, I'm willing to do. I, I love that. And it's I love the images on your site too of all the women who have come together who are people that you know. I mean, mm-hmm. they weren't hired models. No. They're actually people that you know that That's came right. along your side. Yeah. And how much of this story is really born of a personal experience. Yeah. That so, was a big important thing to me. Was it? Yeah. Why? Making sure that, well, my friends are all beautiful, first of all, but yeah. also that that is who I'm doing life with. And mm-hmm. I want my brand to represent me yeah. and the world. So yeah. it doesn't make sense for me to hire beautiful models if that's not who's using my products. Right. Right, I like my that. mom and her friends, and that generation also wear them, as well as my younger cousins who are in college. Like it's a universal piece and product, but uh, it's coming alongside in circles and in community that I want to represent. And so I hope on the website you can see a little bit of that. I think you can. I absolutely think you can. Thanks. Um, when you um, started to make the jewelry, because you had said you don't have a fashion design background, so I assume not a jewelry design background, outside of working at, what was the name of the store? Stanley and Weaver Fine Jewelry. Stan- You're welcome, Stanley and Weaver. Mm-hmm. Um, but w- how did you, like, what made you think you could do this all of a sudden start designing jewelry? I mean, this isn't ropes and knots and, and beads. This That's is right. like... You had to cast jewelry. It's, it's They're all 14, 14 karat yeah. gold plated. Yeah. And I was made... Yeah, so that's a really good question. Um, I was put in contact with a team of designers here in Los Angeles. And I reached out to them and said, hey, I'm looking to start... Literally, like, I want a necklace that I want to sell to give back my story of hope and encouragement. And that's kind of how our first conversation went. Mm -hmm. And then we both started dreaming and designing before I even had a concept of what by your side would look like. Mm -hmm. Um, It was a very like, you know, they answered my phone call. Hey, can you meet for coffee next, like tomorrow? And it was just, let's do this. And between my ideas and my head and theirs and their head, we were able to... um, take my sketches and my notepad, they were able to translate it into a, you know, a 3D image online. And then they had the contacts at the manufacturers. So I was able to skip that contact with the manufacturers and keep the ball rolling. So we had one necklace, then a bracelet, and then all of a sudden it was eight designs. I was going to say, you came out of the gate with a lot of designs. Because I had them in my head and I just wanted I still have a ton yeah like, oh, I'm, I'm just sure. ready to go I'm Come sure. on, people so let me ask you a question about that 
Um, so basically it sounds like they became somewhat of a middleman because they weren't the manufacturer. That's right. Why was that a good idea and why is that a bad idea? Because most of the time we want to avoid the middleman if we can and, and kind of pocket that extra money. But what, what was the advantage of going through a middleman for you? For me, and like you said, not having any background in this, this was my entry in. Like I couldn't have gotten where I am today without this team. And so they got they got me in the door. They got the products into production. They took care of a lot of the back and forth conversations that had to happen. And I was able to keep going and had eight products ready to launch within a year, which I think is unheard of, like mm-hmm. manufactured and ready to go in my hands. The bad part about it is that it does cost to yeah. have that middleman. And also... um I think that's really the main thing is that now I still have a relationship with them, but it's more of just like a contact. They are the contact to the manufacturers. Sure. What do you wish you would have known when you first started? Uh, if you could go back in time and do that piece of it again, the jewelry that specific piece, piece? the manufacturing piece. Yeah. Hmm. Oh man, that's a really good question because I don't think I would change anything. Hmm. I think what it did was give me a lot of knowledge that I didn't have. And so I use that as a learning experience. I didn't have the knowledge. I couldn't have gone into the manufacturing companies without at least having that relationship with them, like consulting me. Um, Probably learning the language. Right, exactly. I didn't know anything. So they really did give me that leg up and get me and by your side um, going. I think the only disadvantages and maybe going back and changing it would be like in contract negotiations and having things in writing up the very beginning. Yeah. And yeah. that's, and they would say the same thing. Yeah. And it sounds like because the relationship was so organic, you, yeah. it, there was all that excitement. That's of, right. Yeah. Let's go. Let's do it. And, and it's always kind of, in retrospect. That and you forget like, oh. that it's a, it is a business and I didn't, I had great advisors. I just didn't have like the the plan necessarily. I was going through my heart and my emotions and that's how I still kind of operate, unfortunately. And fortunately. (laughs) Well, I think the good news and something to, uh, that's important for our listeners to hear is that what that allowed you to do is focus on the brand because you had somebody else focusing on the manufacturing process. That's right. And, and the manufacturers need to be babysat. You've got to go in and double check the CAD drawings. You've got to go in and make sure that it's dipped correctly. You've got, you know, you, you have to stay on that and you may not have known what you were looking for you you would know that this doesn't look right but I don't know how to tell you to fix it yes and they were such a blessing to me in that time in that way because the brand for me is the most important and the jewelry is a component of the brand but the brand and the message of by your side I had to get that honed in for it to be a a success yeah so I want to talk about again when you first started and uh and some of the events that you were even doing were really focused on cancer. Yeah. You were writing, you were getting asked to speak quite a bit. I got to go listen to you speak at one particular event. And a lot of it was, you would tell your story and it is a cancer story and a story of survival. And then there might be an opportunity for people to buy the jewelry or to go to your site or whatever. How did you jump from, or how did you translate your the by your side brand into something that was for other people. 
um, whether it was a celebration or a difficult situation. Was that hard for people to, to kind of grasp onto that? Or was it like, oh yeah, we all see suffering as the same. And it, it was easy from a sort of, I hate to use this word, but from a marketing point of view. I think because my story is the way I say it and how I, how I am just authentically me, I think I pull out that in each person. Like mm -hmm. I, I can talk about the postpartum part of it and mm -hmm. I identify with a new mom and I can talk about a breast cancer survivor and also watching my mom as a co-survivor. Like that's another element. I think that suffering is universal and it's allowed, it's just, we all have it in different ways. And it's not saying that my cancer suffering is better, higher, lower, whatever than your suffering, but it's a lot uh, saying me too. Like I see your pain. I don't understand it specifically, but I know what that feels like to me. And I am so sorry. And I'm here for you. That has been able to translate the highs and lows of any sort of suffering and celebration. I think people in their heart of hearts understand that. And it sounds like from the story of running into your friend at Michael's, like she was able to take the jewelry for just a bad day. Yeah. She was having a bad day with her two-year-old. This wasn't a, I mean, in the moment, it probably seemed like it was devastating. But this, this was Have you had a two-year-old? Yes, They're I awful. have. I've had three. I've had three. <laughs> Actually, for me, that it was when they turned three. Oh, yeah. I was like, I I was right like oh, skating during two. I was like, this is awesome. And then when they turned little. three, I was like, ooh, you're just delayed. That's all. <laughs> Um, so it, so it sounds like it has been able to translate it and has. people have, have been able to grasp that story and, and purchase a by your side item for whatever their healing is or for the, the healing of their friend or coming alongside their friend. Yeah, absolutely. They, and even brides, you said, so brides, even on the celebratory yeah. side, I think what I've seen is the cancer story is like the zinger of connection to a heart, right? Mm -hmm. If you've had that happen to you or your family member or you are watching your friend go through it right now, then it's an automatic yes. It's when you connect on a slower level, like a, a delayed reaction almost of real life. Like, oh my gosh, I see her going through it. Oh yeah, I heard Jen. I understand the, her story. I want to buy her a piece for, for XYZ. Yeah, exactly. Um, and then with with regard to, let's say, the brides and the celebratory piece, mm -hmm. have you had to do anything differently as a brand to communicate that coming alongside somebody is in, you know... No. In, in all, no. They've People all, grasp it. It was my, like, dream in my head because, mm. like I said, I wanted to work at a bridal store. I still kind of do. <laughs> but they all reached out to me after hearing me speak or seeing our Facebook page and Instagram page. They all have reached out to me and said, Hey, I love what you're doing. And it connected so much to me. I went through similar struggles and I want to say to my girlfriends who have been by me throughout like my growing up teen years when I was awful and having a hard time, yeah. they're still here. And I want to take that and say, thank you. I had a woman come up to me this week. I spoke at an event and she said, I survived cancer eight years ago and I've still been looking for a piece to say thank you and I haven't found it. And oh, I now, wow. this is it. I'm buying eight pieces for my friends. So I think it's it's just when the time hits, just for me, it's just keeping on doing what I do, sharing my story, being authentic, being vulnerable, which I learned goes hand in hand with authenticity. Mm -hmm. um, and the time will come when people see it.
Yeah. Um, when, when you go back and think about, um, the, your own cancer story, your mom's cancer story, launching by your side, does it feel like, um, you know, is it one of those moments where you're like, I, this whole thing was made for now. This whole thing was, was allowed to happen to me for now. And every time you meet somebody who says, I haven't been able to find this piece of jewelry yeah. and now I do. Are you able to go back and say, this makes sense? This is a, I'm connecting the dots? Yeah, I absolutely do that. And I think each conversation I've had, each place I've been in, all those footprints and like handprints and finger touches were for a purpose. And when you have the perspective of being able to look back, you can see the highs and lows of life and conversations and like relationships and connections. Those pieces all connect. And it's like a, you know, you're looking at a masterpiece from below. You see all the strings, but when you go on top, you can see the painting, like Mm -hmm. the, the weaving that happens on top. Mm -hmm. So I do believe each time it's for whatever reason, whatever I'm going through right now will be used in the future. Okay, say that masterpiece thing again. You know, I think of a, a like life as a a rug of sorts mm-hmm. where a, a woven like a tapestry. Piece, a tapestry. Mm-hmm. That's a really pretty word yeah. for what I'm trying to. You're welcome. <laughs> yeah. And on the bottom, you see all the hard things, yes. the, the, the ugliness, the, the knots, the strings. But if you can get a little bit higher perspective, you can look down and see the beautiful weaving that is taking place. I love that. That's beautiful. Thank you for that. You're welcome. Um, so now in retrospect, what do you think has been the hardest part to date of launching, um, not necessarily running yet, just launching by your side? Silence, crickets. <laughs> <I'm, laughs> it's been hard. Yeah. I think that the stamina that it takes the perseverance to get through and like keep going. Um, that's what it's taken. And I think um, having my husband be a constant encourager mm-hmm. to me has kept me going because it's easy to get sidetracked with life. Like I have three kids, nine, five, and three, and I stay at home with them and do by your side and do a a lot of volunteering. I was going to say, you are an a- active, incredibly active volunteer, like chairing things, not yes. just offering so your time. I, it's easy for me to get sidetracked and put that as a priority. But my perspective of this is a marathon, not a sprint, mm-hmm. keeps me going Good. because yeah. I know that, okay, so what if it's December? So what if it's January? Like I'm doing, this is my business and this is my new dream for the next set of my life. Right. Mm -hmm. And I'm 30, I'm about to be 39 and I have all this opportunity ahead of me that I didn't know was going to be waiting there. And so by your side is in the infancy stages, right? Who knows Sarah Blakely, right? You go back to where she was in three years in Spanx and now, yeah, this is where she's at. So I just have that perspective of like, it's hard. I can keep going it's going to happen in the right timing. And I, I've learned to take the pressure off myself because I, in the first year I was holding myself to this really high standard of like, I have to do this, 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 I need to make X, Y, and Z numbers of sales. And I'm a failure if I don't do that. But Mm -hmm. what I've learned is that's not 
a measure of success that I need to use. Um, I need to use better measures of success for myself and our family. Mm-hmm. And learning that in this process has been huge. We had a conversation that you're reminding me of about the bottom line of family, yeah. that that has to be a bottom line that you include, that it's not all financial and and how difficult it is to weave that in, to very, have a bottom yeah, line that's difficult. both mission-driven, one that's profit-driven, and then one that also takes into account this time in life, this season of life where right, you have I, three one, young ones that need you and a husband, by the by, yeah. Yeah, and I think the the timing is huge. When I first started, my husband said, and you could probably tell me who said this quote, and I can't, I don't want to misquote it, but you overestimate what you're going to do in one year, but you underestimate what you will do in five. And that was absolutely true. I don't know that quote. That's fantastic. Okay, we'll put that up on the on the um, podcast. But it, it really gave me some perspective because I was like, oh, babe, I think you're full of crap. I don't think that that's right. Like, I don't yeah. think I'm going to overestimate what I can do in one year or even two, but I did. Yeah. And... I don't think I gave myself the freedom to dream to five years. So I don't even have a vision of what five years can look like other than I have an idea that it can go bigger than I'm at, especially since my three-year-old would be eight by then. Like we're going to be full-time kindergarten and second grade and we'll be great. The the sky will part. I promise. Um, It's a whole other set of problems, but it, but it's (laughs) time and, and being able to squeeze in like yeah. good chunks of work, it will happen. And it, it is a completely different space. Yeah, so the nine to three, those hours are yeah. my golden hours. They are and, gold. And I do a lot in the after hours mm-hmm. on my phone, but my kids are very clearly aware that my phone is in my face too much. So they point it out and mom, put your phone down and talk to me. Yeah. I remember going to a uh, parent-teacher conference of one of my kids when they were early elementary. And um, it was, they drew a picture of each parent and what that parent does. And mine was that um, my, it was me on a computer typing. And it was, it said, my mom types all the time for work. And I was like, oh, ouch. Um, First of all, they don't know what I did. They didn't know what I did for work, A. And, you know, B, it's just that they, that they think that's my thing. Like, that's what I do. I'm just always always in front of a screen. You know, the good thing about our kids seeing what we do is making me more aware and bringing them alongside me. So I did an event at City of Hope Hospital here in LA and I took my daughter with me. She's five and she helped me work my booth. Brilliant. And not only did I take her because I didn't want to be there by myself, honestly. My husband had to take the other two to a bunch of other things. But she loved it. She was helping me sell things. She's passing out the website cards, talking to people, handing them a bracelet. Here, try it on. It, this is so pretty. <laughs> but she also saw the women that were coming in the survivor tent and handing them roses and like being so empathetic and giving them hugs and cheering them on as they crossed the finish line. And that to me was like, okay, this is why I do by your side because my daughter is now walking alongside me and encouraging these women and seeing how we can use our lives for good. Yeah. And it, and it becomes a formational. It's just like, Oh, that's what we do in life. So now they understand that if I'm going to an event for by your side, 
or I'm sending out a bracelet, they know exactly what it's for and they can picture it in their head. This bracelet has to go out today, guys. This woman is really sick and she needs some encouragement and they will stop. They'll help me seal up the package. They, they know, they know it. And I think that that as a mom, that's what I'm most proud of the business doing for our family. That's awesome. I love that. And by the way, um, you need to just go on to Jen's Instagram to see the chicanery that ensues between her <laughs> two do- daughters, especially when it comes to makeup. Oh my there, gosh. I have laughed two. out loud um, watching some of these little videos. So let's um, transition a little bit because some of what you've been giving is actually already great advice, but let's go into sort of the second half of the podcast where um, we really want to focus on you giving information to the listener about launching a similar business or, or about just, you know, being Mm -hmm. perseverant or persevering and, and hanging in there when it gets tough. So more specifically, we talked about, um, your platform being instrumental and connecting you with uh, connecting people with your story first and kind of profit second and, and jewelry more specifically second. What should our listeners be aware of when creating a company that is mission-driven above profit-driven? Like, what do you want to say, it's awesome, but watch out for X, Y, Z, or this is going to be a difficult decision that you're going to have to make? You have to believe, you have to believe in your mission, like in your DNA. Because if you don't care that much about it, you're going to want to give up. And you're going to have to have people beside you that are encouraging you too. Yeah. I could have quit numerous times, but I had instrumental people in place that were saying, no, Jen, you cannot stop. Like, yeah. look at what this did for this woman or look at what it's doing for, you know, the community over there. I think it's easy, so easy to get caught up in the success of numbers and the like mm-hmm. what the world deems as a success. Like, oh, how many followers do I have on Instagram or likes or this? And that's not how I, I'm learning how to change my mindset to make sure that that's not my definition of success because my mission is to spread hope and encouragement to those who need it in a hard time and celebrate the good times. I believe that wholeheartedly. Like I wake up and I will do that just with how I live and my brand, Mm -hmm. I think is a direct connection with my life. I think if your mission and your passion is not something that you really carry along with you all the time, then it's going to be hard. I think that's a good word for people who we live in a a day and age where we know we have to have sort of some social cause oriented, you know, impact um, component to our business. Uh, And sometimes we attach it as an afterthought and we say, oh, uh, I better be saving the whales or... um, I have to give 20% to this or to that, yeah. And it, it shows, I think it's a little transparent in that people are like, well, you don't really have any skin in the game. You're just giving 10% to slap on a do good label mm-hmm. on your brand. So one, the consumer can see through it. They they can sniff it out. They're right. like, that's not real. And then two, I think what you're saying is you're, you are able to hone in on your focus when you actually know what your mission is. Like you said, yes, exactly. I can wake up in the morning and I know what I'm here to do. And if the numbers coincide, that's great. But because I'm putting mission first and profit second, I know what I have to accomplish today. I know what to say yes to. I know what to say no to. So there may be an opportunity down the road that looks like a lot of dollar signs, 
But if it takes you away from your mission, you could make a decision to say, that's not the right decision for us. Well, yeah. And I've had opportunities where it didn't involve any dollar signs, but it went along with the mission Mm. and spreading hope and encouragement to women. So I did it. And it doesn't make sense to some people who are like, "Um, have you talked to a business person about that? Because I really don't think, well, yeah, but it's my company your business. It's my it's business. Literally yes. your business. And yeah. If I'm going to give away product, that's my decision. But more than that, it's because that's what it has been designed to do. Like I don't have bracelets and necklaces and earrings laying around just waiting for somebody to buy it. That doesn't, that's not the point of by your side. By your mm-hmm. side is giving the gift. If it's me giving the gift or if it's you giving a gift to your friend, I don't care. Like, I just want to get the products into the hands of the women that need them. And so let's talk a little bit about what it what it was like for you and how you might advise listeners who are trying to cut through the clutter. There's no shortage of accessories and jewelry That's to buy. so and true. And now with Instagram, it seems, really with all of social media. You can we, just click on a hashtag yeah, and then you find exactly, good jewelry. Exactly. So how have you been able to sort of stand out and how would you recommend that other people, you know, whether it's a, a little tool, something that you like to do or your engagement in, in pop-up events or whatever, what, what's something that you think you've done well in standing out? And maybe it's your story. Maybe it's, maybe I think it's, it's piece. um, the encouragement piece that, especially on like social media, the words that are in our posts and on our blog and in email blasts are from my heart and from my Instagram social media. And she knows my heart. So Mm -hmm. if you're reading something, it's truly what we believe and what we want you to say here for that day, whatever it is. Because so many times we get a comment back or an engagement that says, oh my gosh, I needed this today. Thank Mm -hmm. you so much. It's not about the jewelry. The jewelry is a tangible piece of hope that we're giving. Mm -hmm. Um, But the by your side mission is... Beyond that. Yeah. So So I'm not sure if we stand out amongst the jewelry people. Um, We are not in any retail locations as of yet. So... Do you want to be? I would love to be. Okay. So then that's something that will be yeah. coming soon and something that at that point, perhaps you would have to really uh, figure out and identify what makes you different in that space. Yeah. And how to market, how do you have that in a walking by, how does that catch your eye Sure, moment? Yeah. Sure. So, I mean, the most compelling differentiator is your story. And yet people are buying jewelry. And uh, for those that are, purchasing eight units for bridesmaids, they still care about fashion. They still care about quality. They still care about design. Um, And I think it's important for our listeners to not, you can put mission first, but you can't just let the other one fall by the wayside. No, I I like to feel pretty. So I'm not going to have a product that is just missional. You know, like everything is stylish and goes along with trend and you know our bracelets are all worn amongst different stacks of other designers bracelets that's what I love about our products too is that it's a hidden hidden quote-unquote meaning that you can wear it and it's 
important to you and it's encouraging to you, but the person on the street wouldn't know that you were wearing... It doesn't wearing, scream. It doesn't yeah. scream, breast cancer awareness, I'm dying yeah. over here. Like, <laughs> yeah. no, yeah. that's not... Like, I am having a crappy day. No, nobody will know that. It will just... It's meant to be a beautiful piece of jewelry that you wear to encourage yourself. So, for again, for somebody listening... Are, are you saying, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but it is important to value the product that you're putting out. It's the mission is, is uh, a priority, but it's not, it, yes. it it's not yes. the only thing yes. that you need to consider. And, and the reason I bring that up is I think there are a lot of people who, again, going back to, it's really hot right now to be um, mission driven or uh, to have an impact enterprise. And sometimes I think the product suffers. And then in the end, you've minimized kind of the importance of your, your mission. Yeah, exactly. Because people don't want to wear it or if it's crap, they want to, they're not going to get to wear it. So um, yes, the products and what I am learning through this is that it's a, it's of high value to spend the time and the energy to make quality because people will pay for that and they will value it. And they, especially in my business of, it's not just a piece of jewelry that you're buying yourself. You're usually buying it for a friend. So if you're going to spend, you know, between 40 and $140 for somebody, you want to make sure that it's good quality and you want it to be beautiful and lovely and all those things because it's a gift. It's not just you know, something that you buy at the generic jewelry store because it's a cute, stylish necklace. Right. So um, going back to the jewelry and the quality of the jewelry, if you were to advise our listeners on kind of, you know, one, two, and three things to really look out for when finding a manufacturer or a partner to help you manufacture like you did, what are some important things to look for? Because we... People can finish this podcast and say, okay, Jen made it sound pretty easy. I'm going to Google <laughs> jewelry manufacturer. Like, what do they look for in that conversation well, or think, that coffee? You know, here you know, in LA, we chat. are fortunate because we have the LA jewelry district. Mm-hmm. So there's plenty of opportunities. But what I've learned is you have to find somebody, number one, who gets your style kind of, mm-hmm. that understands the brand, that understands what the meaning is, especially with buyer side. Every single piece has some sort of a knot or rope element to it. So that was important that it's not just literally a stamped like image of a rope, Mm -hmm. but it's intricately Mm -hmm. designed and like still looks pretty. Um, But for me, it was learning the different kinds of metals that people can wear because you know what? I didn't know that there was a nickel allergy that's like a legit thing until one of my best friends said, hey, your bracelet's giving me sores. And I was like, (laughs) super. Great. So I didn't know that. that Yeah. So um, I think there is something to learning some, a little like Google research on metals that people wear. How do you, are you going to cast this or is it going to be a handmade piece? Are you going to have a a latch or a, um, like a clasp or opening thing? I don't even Mm -hmm. know because none of my bracelets have them. Um, The kind of chains that you want, the length. I mean, there's a lot of details that, my team that I work with had for me. So they mm-hmm. presented me options and I said yes or no, which was fantastic. So if you can find that person that can help you, I think it's great. But now 
going forward, I want to be able to make some more of those decisions. Yeah. I now have the products in place and now I want to go and say, okay, actually I want this, this, and this. I don't, I want to make those decisions before somebody brings them to me. And now you can. Yeah, exactly. I have the, com- I know not all of the lingo, not at, not really at all, but I know more of the lingo that I did before to walk into a manufacturer and have conversations. Like, do I go see the caster first or do I go to the guy and is he going to do the dipping or is he going to do the casting? Is he going to do the, and see, I, whatever the process yeah, exactly. is. Exactly. Okay. Let me ask you a couple nitty gritty questions yeah. because, um, you had said earlier, like I, I it started out with a chat, uh, you know, on the phone and then coffee. And if you could go back, the contract is where you may have done some things slightly differently. So let's talk about a couple things that often comes up when I'm with clients, which is who owns the rights to those designs. Right. So, um, you know, uh, I'll use the, the example of photographers. Photographers own the rights to their photography, even if it's you of you. Um, so how do you deal with that from a, you designed it, like you sketched it out. You said, this is what I want. So technically the design came from your brain, but then you give it to somebody who's perfecting the design and making it ready for casting and whatever the process is. So I think that to answer that question really easily is that going forward from now on, I'm, I'm not going to look for a designer. I'm going to look for a manufacturer that's going to be able to do the CAD drawings themselves of my designs. So you would always own that. That, yes, that, that intellectual would be property is yours. Um, because the manufacturers, they don't want that. They do this for a living. So they sure. don't. That's They're not, not in the business right, of exactly. that. When you are working with a designer, the clear conversation needs to be who owns the designs yeah. if and for how long. Um, and that's negotiable. Right, we should, exactly. We should say. Yes. That's really up to you to negotiate, but you should know that just because you go to them with your design doesn't really mean you necessarily own the design, just something to be aware of. And so then you need to advocate for yourself and say, I want to own these well, designs. Well, I think the clearest conversation that we had with my team was if something were to happen in five years to a buyer-side piece or anything regarding buyer-side, who were somebody would come back to you, me, Jennifer. Sure. They wouldn't go to this team of designers because they may or may not be in existence anymore. Who knows? So that's where I would say, make sure you're clear when you're talking with your designers on what you want to have for your brand and your mission. And if you want to hire somebody to come onto your team to be your designer, then they work for you. And then they're just an employee that you're paying to design for you rather than having an outsourced consultant who's a designer. And thank you for that. Cause I think that will help a lot of people. The other thing is, um, often when we work with manufacturers, yeah. um, there are minimums. And when you're starting out that I hear that over and over and over again, like how I have somebody right now who's trying to do candles and the minimums are out of control. That's right. They yeah. really are. And, you know, when you're starting, you don't have the mm, financial backing for right. a minimum. What if it goes bad? Then you're stuck with 453 candles of yeah. the seven you didn't sell. Yeah, exactly. And you're like, crap. <laughs> Let's have a Black Friday sale. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So um, I think 
There are a few manufacturers that I've came across that do not have minimums, okay. but they all the rest of them do. And that was a component of the initial conversations that I had that I was moving forward with the assumption that we didn't have minimums. Mm-hmm. And as we got going, the it came out after the fact that we had eight designs and then we found out there was minimums. So that changes an order drastically yeah, if you're going to have five pieces of that design versus you now have to order 50 of that. Of each. Of each. Yeah. yeah of each. Yeah. Of each. Yeah. So, you know, you can't just order a few more and hope that you'll sell through the end of the year or in the next six months. You have to order 50 at a time. So, yeah. And that's a minimum. I mean, you can order 2,000 if you want sure. to. And if you go overseas to China, your minimums are drastically higher. So... And that's how you get a lower price point. But I like the fact that our jewelry is made in LA and it's down the street and I can go and visit with the people if I need to. And we're keeping jobs here in Los Angeles. I love that. Thanks for that. Because I think those are some of the really practical things that people don't necessarily consider when they're going into those relationships or um, into those Well, Yeah, you're thinking, oh, I'm going to retail this for, you know, $39, $39, but you have to back and, and look at what that's going to cost you to buy to retail at that. Mm-hmm. And I didn't have any of this experience. So I learned a lot in that first six months of what have I gotten myself into? Yeah. Okay. How badly do I believe in this? Yeah. Like, do I want to move forward? And is this the next direction of my life? And I had those hard conversations often and the answer was yes, I want to keep doing this. And I think the other thing to consider when you're doing that, in your case, you were doing direct to consumer. Yes. So you you had whatever your price was and then you doubled or tripled it to go direct to consumer. Now let's say you decide you want to wholesale. Mm. You've mm-hmm. got to make sure there's margin in there that you can still, it's less, that's the point of wholesale, it's more units, less margin, but you have to make sure you've built in that cushion so that you don't compete with yourself. That's so, so that, true. Right? Yes. So when you're selling to XYZ store and you have a suggested retail price that you're telling that store they need to sell at, that you're not selling on your own site for more than that because yeah, you're that now would be competing terrible. with yeah. yourself. So it's one thing that um, I notice people can get into trouble with, that they they're assuming they're going direct to consumer or they're assuming they're going wholesale and they haven't considered, make sure there's enough cushion, make sure there's enough margin there. Yeah, the cushion piece is high because ultimately, especially with my products, I want them to be affordable and a gift-giving price. Yeah. The cost of manufacturing them is still high. high. So the margin is smaller than I think I would like. I mean, I would love to be rolling in the dough, but I'm not. Um, And... I think that's a huge piece that I learned yeah. in this in the beginning. In like, okay, this is the cost, and you really probably should mark up for wholesale and then mark up for retail and keep that in your plan at all times and don't waver because right. and and the associated costs with with each. So with wholesale, oh, yeah. it's more units, but you got to get this shipped out to Texas. Right. You got to get this shipped out to Vermont. You, well, you, and you know. don't think about the cost of all the collateral either, mm-hmm. because that has to yes. be factored into each piece that I also didn't think about like, oh, all of our bags have to be hand screen printed. Well, that's 
a little bit more expensive than I'd like that to be. You guys are masters at the branding thing too because the box, everything that comes in the box, the little pouches, the card, it's all in there. So there are major associated costs with all of that collateral. That is very true, (laughs) Netta. Thanks. Thanks for the obvious. Yep. Um, Okay, so you mentioned... All those months spent on that branding portion. Yeah, Yeah. I got it covered. (laughs) Um, We um, have been talking about your sweet kids. You have three amazing little, very active people. And we always like to kind of figure out what what are, um, in our interviews, what women are doing to kind of make life a little bit easier, a little more effective, a little more efficient. So any best practices on the mom side in terms of her schedule, any apps that you like to use or resources? <laughs> You're just laughing at me. I, I know laughing. you must have one. I, I do. It's any called my go-to, calendar. Is there and a I, go-to crockpot item? Oh, I have a lot. Okay, I'm about okay. to tell See, you. I okay, ready? You yeah. Um, well, this year, my kids all are going to different schools yeah. okay. with three different start times and three different pickup times. Mm-hmm. So my first advice is don't do that. Yeah, it's good advice. Um, the next advice is I have a lady that comes to our house once a week to clean because I just don't have the time. So I've outsourced that component. Yeah. So she now has started doing our laundry, which, yeah. you know, these are the things that as a mom who is working and volunteering and being a wife and all these things, I've had to learn to let go. And also my husband is learning to like, we just a lot for that because yeah. it's so helpful and she keeps my house clean for at least 36 hours. Yeah. And then it's <laughs> back it's to a disaster. Like how did she just leave here? Guys? I know. Clean, um, house cleaning and massages. Yeah. Like, seriously. Wh- they need to last longer. You know, they really do. Not, um, yeah, I've learned crock pot, you know, chicken tacos are my kids favorite. Yeah. Also. I mean, it's really, I've, my cooking skills have gone way down the tomb. <laughs> At this point, I am learning to feed people yeah. because they all want, like they're nine, a nine and a half year old boy who was about five feet and 125 yeah. pounds. Yeah. And then my three and a half year old, who's like a little nymph. But, <laughs> so everybody eats differently. And it's just a matter of like getting us keeping us alive, having fun. Yeah. You know, our priorities on Sunday, we go to church. Like these are the things that are important on our family. And I think being able to look at your family's go-to motto and mission and say, does this match it? Are we going to give it time? Are we going to give it energy? And if it's not, then we can confidently say, no, hey, we're not going to do that this weekend. Or we're, we're actually not going to go to that because we'd rather just come home and chill on a Sunday night yeah. Because otherwise we're all going to be a mess. Yes. I love the 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 parallel between the family mission and the business mission yeah. of knowing, you know, should is this good for by your side or is it not? We're mission driven and this isn't about that mission, so we're going to choose to say no. And I love that you're applying that to the family. We're trying. You know, it's we realize well, that we're our, all trying. Yeah, right. I mean, <laughs> yeah. we realize our son is halfway to being yeah. out of the house and will our kids be able to look back at their life and say like, oh yeah, that is a Kennedy. Like that was a Kennedy thing. That's something that we did. Like every, you know, Saturday night we did this because we hadn't been intentional about that. We had just been going through the motions and like trying to keep our feet on the ground rather than like floating in the air. So we have been really more intentional about trying to make those things happen so our kids don't miss out because their parents are just living in this world of yeah busyness yeah um 
my app is a calendar. I have a lot of time in my car. It's paid for, so it's just going, going, (laughs) going. I'm like, good thing we love this navigator. It's nine years old, and I love it. Maybe actually, oh, maybe ten now. You know, I don't have Instagram. Is that an app that keeps me like? No, that's not a parenting app. It's not a parenting, or even just a. Is there something that you do for work that you've realized is a good practice? Oh yeah. Okay. Um, Planoly, I use that um, for all of our social media posts. I have a social media person. Uh Um, That was when I first started, I realized that that was something I also needed to delegate because I was spending hours trying to think of something to post and then I posted and it seemed so silly and it didn't have the impact that it would. And so I was able to let go of some of that control. I still like will randomly post things and I check to make sure it matches in our planally. But um, that has given me some freedom to be a mom and let her run that um, we use Venmo now to like yeah. pay things, which is also huge. But paying our babysitters, it's just one less step. Yeah. Um, and my website is fantastic. So I use Shopify to run it and it does all of our, you know, shipping needs on the back end. So I don't have to do anything other than set it all up the first time and then it ships. It doesn't ship. I ship it. But it calculates the postage and all that. I print it from my computer and it goes out. So those are the things that have been actually very helpful that I didn't have to learn anything. I didn't have to like set it up. It was Shopify already had it in there in a template. So it was pre preset. Yeah. That automation thing is huge. It was very huge. Yeah. If people can find tools to automate things they do over and over again, whether it's emails that you tend to send, you know, that have the same general body copy, whatever. It can right. be the simplest yeah. thing, but to learn how to automate those things to make time. Um, so you've probably heard this statistic on women starting businesses and, and we're starting at record It's pace. amazing. It is amazing. And we are at this all time high. Why do you think that's the case? Like, what do you think that's all about? I think women are feeling empowered and they want to use their their selves, like their gut and their heart for something. And they mm-hmm. want to do it that with the flexibility of being able to do all the things that women do, like have a family or a career or volunteer. It allows some freedom in that. I think we also get to a point in our life where you want to do good with it. You don't want to just be working for somebody else and clocking in and clocking out. You want to have an impact. And I think that women are doing more of that. Yeah. It feels like there's more freedom to do that Um, and more examples of women doing that. And we have a lot of examples right here on this podcast. We do. Um, What would you like to say? What are your parting words for all these women who are listening to you today and thinking, should I? Like, should I start something? Is that the path for me? Or a woman who's listening who has already started this, she's on this trajectory and is just like, I don't know, I might need to throw in the towel. What do you want to say to them? Well, I've been in both of those places. So those feelings are very valid. Um, The should I, yes, you should, because you don't want to look back in two to five to 20 years and say, gosh, I really should have done that. Mm -hmm. Like, should is like my least favorite word. I hate it, yeah. but I also use it all the time because it's part of our <laughs> vernacular. Yeah. Um, because, you know, you can always stop it. 
if it doesn't feel right to the person who's at that no place, if it doesn't feel good, if you aren't enjoying it, if it's not worthy of your time and you'd rather give your time and to something else, and it's okay to say, no, you're not yeah. a failure just because you're stopping something. It just means that it's time to move on to something else that's going to be waiting for you. Yeah. I love that. Thank you for that encouragement. Um, thank you for coming by our side. I oh, Netta, I love you. I'll <laughs> come by your side anytime. So we have to end on our fun little quick okay. six. So I'm going to ask you six questions, and this is so our audience gets to know Jen Kennedy a little bit more. So do you prefer a nine to five or a flex schedule? Clearly a flex schedule. <laughs> Very flex schedule. However, the little teacher part of me really liked my Eight year to yeah, that three. Chunk of time. Yeah. You'll get it. You're going to get it back. It's coming. Um, and then vacation in the mountains or the beach. I beach think I always. Know. Yeah. Um, do you prefer working from a home office or out of home office? Or no, stop. <laughs> do you prefer working from a home office or an office out of the home? How do I normally ask that? I don't know. You know, I think I find myself productive in both places. Right now I'm working out of our house mm-hmm. um, because it's saving us money and I'm able to be home working while my kids are at home. Yeah. But they have to be gone in order for me to be productive because even if the door is closed, there's like the constant tap, 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 tap. Yeah. So if you cannot get that space, I would recommend getting like a wee workspace or something like that where you can office share just so you can get that mind clearing area. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, okay. Would you rather work with a team or alone? Team. If anybody wants to come work for me, <laughs> I need a more team members. I know. This podcast is serving as a um, uh, what, what by your side like recruitment. There recruitment. you go. Thanks, Elizabeth. Um, and then this is, I think, I always say this is the hardest one. Um, do you prefer Mexican or Thai food? Mexican, because I know I can always get a margarita. Okay, so we, we're getting down to the nitty-gritty of That's who right. Jen is. I mean, I have three kids. Come on. <laughs> Did I mention I have three kids? Um, and then, you know, this podcast is called Liberty Sessions. The company's called Liberty. We are all about trying to liberate women through entrepreneurship and tell these stories so that other women can find their own story in it. What does it mean for you to be liberated? Oh, Netta, that's my favorite thing you've asked me. <laughs> for me, it's the freedom of being okay with who I am Mm. and who I was always. But that was a, I was afraid of who I was. I was afraid to be who I really was inside. I had this car hard candied shell on the outside and it wasn't really until my mom got sick that I really found the value of who I was and how it could actually be used for good. Mm. How who I was not just a wife and a mom and a teacher, but I could actually do more good in the world with who I was. And people were going to say, oh, wow. I don't know. I just felt acknowledged in that moment. And I think I lived in a in fear for a long, long time of being ridiculed or judged. And um, in the past two and a half years, I've really been liberated from that. Mm. Thank so you I'm for that. ready to walk forward with my story, whatever it is. And we, own it. We can't wait to see what, what that looks like. Um, and thank you for creating By Your Side 
um, and telling this story. And for anyone who's listening, um, I highly recommend you check out Jen's site. And for anyone who needs that encouragement um, or a reminder that someone is by their side, this is this is a great this is a great company um, to allow you to do that. And if there's somebody you're thinking of that you want to send a necklace, a pair of earrings, somebody who's struggling, or somebody yeah. who's celebrating something That's right. in life, um, check wanna, it out. We want to come along the, their yes. side, so send them our way. All right, we'll do. Um, okay, Liberty listeners, next week. Same time-ish. We'll see you guys. <laughs> Bye. Liberty Sessions is broadcast on all platforms. Apple Podcast, SoundCloud, Google Play, and Stitcher. If you like what you've heard, please subscribe, rate, and review Liberty Sessions on Apple Podcast. It helps us to know if these episodes are inspiring and equipping you to launch and grow your own ventures. You can also find us every day on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Liberty For Her. And please leave a comment using the hashtag Liberty Sessions. We want to hear your thoughts, suggestions, and brilliant ideas. Liberty Sessions is produced by Netta Jones and Elizabeth Windham and music by Jordan Flower.